0: This week on the Iowa Watch Connection... Uh, ...was tenacious at criticizing the Attorney General's office and anyone else who defended him.
1: A journalist rooted out corruption at high levels of state government. The Pulitzer Prize carries just a level of prestige that regardless of whether you worked alongside of of the reporter or you come 80 years later, uh, you're, you're
0: proud as a member of the organization.
1: And it put his newspaper on the map for all time.
0: But he was an individual who uh, went when he saw uh, corruption, saw uh, there was no stopping him of putting it on the front page of the Cedar Rapids Gazette. Vern Marshall and his Gazette, our topic this
1: week.
2: The Iowa Watch Connection is presented by the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism online at iowawatch.org. Here is Jeff Stein.
1: One of the jobs of a journalist is to find the truth and expose wrongdoing. One Cedar Rapids journalist's work more than three-quarters of a century ago is being rediscovered now thanks to a new book. Iowa Watch executive director and editor Lyle Muller has
3: the unique story. Calling Vern Marshall anything other than ordinary would be a gross understatement. The Cedar Rapids, Iowa man was a French Army ambulance driver during World War I national leader of the No Foreign War Committee that included Charles Lindbergh going into World War II, and a Pulitzer Prize-winning editor of the Cedar Rapids Gazette from 1932 to 1941. Lindbergh and Marshall eventually had a falling out. That didn't come close, though, to harming Marshall's reputation as a crusader. Marshall had a focused drive to expose corruption in Iowa government in the 1930s. Then-Iowa Attorney General Edward O'Connor was a chief target of Marshall's investigative reporting into protection payments the people behind illegal gambling and liquor sales operations made to local authorities. O'Connor let it happen, Marshall reported. Then-Governor Clyde Herring, who had no interest in news reports accusing state government of being corrupt, and a host of other local and state government officials also were served doses of Marshall's bitter medicine. In short, Marshall's reporting in the mid-1930s showed that illegal gambling and liquor sales in Sioux City, Iowa, were tied to state officials who looked the other way. Marshall's seemingly odd fixation on Sioux City on the west edge of Iowa, some 270 driving miles from eastern Iowa's Cedar Rapids, got its start when state agents raided a canning factory in Cedar Rapids in 1934. The factory was a front for an illegal bar and illegal slot machines. Marshall suspected, rightly so, it turned out, that more of this kind of activity was going on in Iowa and that state leaders had a hand in letting it happen. It all is explained in a new book about Marshall by Jerry Harrington and published by the History Press called Crusading Iowa Journalist Vern Marshall, exposing Graft and the 1936 Pulitzer Prize. Yes, Marshall's reporting earned the Cedar Rapids Gazette its only Pulitzer Prize in the public service category. Jerry Harrington knows the story, though. He spoke with us about Marshall's drive to expose corruption and the interesting twist that is part of the story about the Pulitzer Prize he won for the Gazette.
0: Well, I first heard of Vern Marshall when I was reading a book by a longtime Des Moines Register reporter George Mills. And he wrote a book called uh, One-Armed Bandits and Other Stories. And uh, he principally wrote about the uh, uh, gambling legislation in Iowa in the 1980s and 90s, but he prefaced it with a story about the 1930s and uh, cited Vern Marshall's uh, investigation of uh, a slot machine racket in Iowa and dedicated about three paragraphs to it. And uh, I'd never heard of that before. So I uh, was contacted by the history press, a, a company, to... Uh, write a book on a topic in Iowa history that interested me. So I started probing into the story about Vern Marshall and this incredible world in the 1930s opened up and it was a fascinating story.
3: And what were some of the elements that made that so fascinating to you?
0: There was the beginning of the story, which was a small raid in Cedar Rapids in December of 1934, where there was a uh, illegal liquor, liquor operation going on in Cedar Rapids. It was uncovered, and what had happened is that the uh, person operating the uh, illegal liquor, liquor operation had a um, a letter from the head of the liquor commission providing him with state seals for his illegal illegal liquor and while that alerted Vern Marshall to something that was going on he investigated that it extended into a statewide investigation that also included gambling operations corruption in state government and what was fascinating to me is the tenaciousness of this reporter who was able to to Uh, take a small incident like this, investigate it, and uncover a statewide corruption syndicate. And this
3: corruption was what? Explain that a little
0: bit. There were several levels. Um, At the time, it was illegal to serve liquor over the bar. Uh, He found out that there was a syndicate that was set up based in Des Moines where Uh, illegal liquor was was sold where slot machines um, were allowed and those who operated slot machines paid uh, the syndicate a dollar a month per slot machine. And um, there was also, he uncovered, um, a um, state contracting syndicate that increased the cost of contracting to those who wanted to do business with the state by 5%. The 5% increase went into the, quote, Democratic Campaign Fund. And uh, all of this, or a lot of this, led to Sioux City, where he was able to trace people that could name names. And uh, a lot of his investigation centered on Sioux City. Um, what happened was, after uncovering all of this, or a lot of it, um, a, um, a Sioux City grand jury indicted nearly 50 individuals across the state, including the sitting attorney general, uh, Ed- uh, Edward O'Connor, from Iowa City, who had been elected attorney general in 1932. And it was a, a well-publicized trial in uh, uh, late 1935 in which the, uh, the attorney general, um, well, it was a hung jury because two jurors insisted upon his guilt.
3: And that's an interesting piece of this whole thing that's going on with Vern Marshall. He was the editor of the Cedar Rapids Gazette, right. but the Gazette won a Pulitzer Prize for reporting that was pretty well centered out over in uh, Sioux City, is that not right? And, and how did that all get connected?
0: Well, Vern Marshall um, said he really didn't care what went on in Sioux City what he was targeting was corruption that was centered in Des Moines and that affected the citizens of Cedar Rapids, so that was his logic. Um, He um, uh, was tenacious at criticizing the Attorney General's office and anyone else who defended him um, the man was absolutely fearless in his in his front page reporting. Um, so that was why you know all of the the Sioux City events led to a statewide corruption syndicate, or at least uncovered there. But there were other aspects of it across the state.
1: Coming up, more about investigative journalist Vern Marshall. That's next as the Iowa Watch connection continues.
2: I'm Suzanne Benke, Executive Director at the nonprofit parent of this program, Iowa Watch. Iowa Watch is part of an exciting funding opportunity through Newsmatch, a national campaign supported by several notable foundations that care about nonprofit journalism. Newsmatch will match every dollar you donate right now so that quality journalism like Iowa Watch can continue. Your $25 becomes $50 in support of in depth fact-based journalism. It is that easy. Please consider giving through this great opportunity by going to the donate button at the top of iowawatch.org. Again, iowawatch.org. And thank you for listening to our report today. The Iowa Watch Connection radio program is part of a statewide audience engagement project organized by the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism an independent, nonprofit, nonpartisan news organization. The center is dedicated to producing high quality investigative and community affairs journalism in Iowa, while also training journalism students to do this work at a high ethical level. The center is found online at IowaWatch.org.
1: Welcome back to the Iowa Watch Connection. I'm Jeff Stein. Here again is the executive director and editor of the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, Lyle Muller, speaking with Jerry Harrington, an Iowan who has written a new book about Vern Marshall, the Pulitzer Prize-winning editor of the Gazette newspaper in Cedar Rapids.
0: I think he was a difficult person to uh, probably get along with. He uh, was unafraid of writing anything in the newspaper when he felt he was on the side of righteousness. I say that uh, in his early life, he was born to journalism. I mean, his father was was part owner of the Cedar Rapids Gazette, uh, and Vern Marshall worked for a whole number of different newspapers. Uh, But he was an investigative journalist from the word go. Um, and he was dedicated to the proposition that whenever a journalist uncovered any sort of corruption in terms of public officials, it was the duty of that newspaper to drive and to investigate and to report and uncover and shine a light on that as best as he could. This isolationist
3: situation, can you talk a little bit about what you know of his feelings about where the United States should have been during World War II, at least leading up to it?
0: He had seen fighting in World War I, and he had seen the slaughter of human beings. Uh, uh, There's one uh, quote I cite uh, in my book where he said he went and saw the Battle of Verdun and saw all that he needed to see in one week. Uh, And... uh, When it came to World War II, when the fighting began in September of 1939, it was Vern Marshall's opinion that the conflict was one of economics, not one of ideology. Um, And that may have been the argument in World War I, but there were those who opposed him saying that there was much uh, a much greater issue at stake, and that is the ideology to fight against fascism, to fight against Nazism. Uh, Byrne Marshall was unswayed by that argument. In fact, he made it very publicly in his uh, organization called No Foreign Wars, which he organized for the East Coast, and uh, did his best to uh, lead the uh, uh, rally the troops against entry into World War II. And that made him an ally of sorts with people like Charles Lindbergh. But that didn't last. Lindbergh had an organization called American First, uh, based in the Midwest, uh, together with an ally who was also uh, the head of, of Sears and Roebuck. Uh, so Lindbergh's organization basically tried to rally forces in the Midwest, uh, Marshall on the uh, East Coast. To say... Uh, Well, Lindbergh and Marshall did not get along with one another. Uh, They tried to work together in their organizations, but Lindbergh uh, had a, uh, uh, Marshall just uh, rubbed him the wrong way. Um, Marshall was a very aggressive personality. Uh, Lindbergh called him very nervous. And um, as time went on, um, uh, Marshall would be on the public media and um, um, be a little bit, You know, uh, off kilter um, at at best. Um, He got into a vicious argument with Dean Atchison uh, in one um, town meeting of the airwaves and started threatening people in the audience for uh, saying that Atchison had uh, placed them there. So he was a very prickly personality. Eventually, what happened is that uh, Marshall suffered a nervous breakdown and exited the organization long before the attack on Pearl Harbor, which would have ended it. In the meantime, he had been doing journalism beyond some of the corruption
3: that you were reporting about. Give us a little bit of example of what he was doing there.
0: Uh, he really began his first investigative reporting is uh, around 1920, 1921 for the Gazette. And uh, it was a, after the birth of his uh, first daughter, and he went looking around for milk that was certified to be free of bovine tuberculosis. And the, he knew that there were laws on the books that prevented that. And what he found is that there was a head of dairy sanitation in Iowa that not only didn't enforce the law, but was shipping cattle into Iowa um, from Wisconsin that had not been tested for bovine tuberculosis. Well, he uh, wrote exposés about this person, about the issue, got him fired, and that was really the first time that he really had a, a, a real impact beyond just reporting. Um, the second issue was in 1930, 1931, again, as as a reporter, as editor for the Gazette, when he uh, investigated... Uh, He would call it corruption at the University of Iowa, and that was uh, an issue where the university got funds from the Rockefeller Foundation and um, put it in the bank of the treasurer of the university. The treasurer did not even charge interest, and there were other aspects uh, um, that he uncovered. There were university employees who were working uh, or there were students and employees who were working for staff of the university on uh, their houses. Um, there was uh, illegal athletic scholarships being given out to athletes. And um, what happened was that this resulted in an uh, investigation by the state legislature, which resulted in corrective aspects at the university.
3: And so the Pulitzer Prize came along, and the Gazette was able to report it But an interesting thing about the front page of that Gazette is what happened with the indictments that resulted from the investigation of the Gazette that won the Pulitzer.
0: Yeah, Vern Marshall was a bit more than just a reporter. Uh, He actually got involved in the prosecution of the, as he called, corruptionists. And along the way, uh, he contributed $700 to the fund to help prosecute these individuals. Um, Marshall claimed that the $700 was simply expenses, or they were work simply expenses for the attorney. Um, however, what the attorney did, uh, discovered was instead of placing them in his, uh, in his account as expenses, he placed them in, in an account as compensation. And that's what the, uh, nearly 50 individuals who were indicted took to the Iowa Supreme Court and saying that these indictments were illegal that uh, uh, Vern Marshall had contributed money, and uh, he was also prosecuting them in his newspaper as well. So when the Pulitzer Prize was announced in May of 1936, uh, on the very same day that the Cedar Rapids Gazette won the Pulitzer Prize, all 50 of these indictments were thrown out by the Iowa Supreme Court, and both stories are on the front page of that gazette. You know, as you look back on
3: some of the things that you saw and read during the research for this book, what do you think is the lasting legacy of Vern Marshall and his importance in Iowa? I think
0: he shines as an example of what a good investigative reporter should do. He was absolutely fearless in taking what he saw to be public wrongs and putting them on the front page of his newspaper. He had his flaws um, as I cited, there was a flaw in how he handled uh, getting involved in this prosecution. But uh, there is no, absolutely no doubt, that uh, he saw wrongs within the Iowa political community and saw it as his duty to take those and shine the public light on them. And I think that's the sort of attitude that we must have in our society. Uh, when you've got uh, uh, public individuals that uh, uh, m- might be corrupt or uh, uh, might be taking money, and um, it's, an, it's an obligation of such reporters to report them and to be public about it.
3: When you were going through the documents, did you get a glimpse of what his personal life was like and some of the things that motivated him?
0: He was absolutely um, uh, you know, a man who... Uh, uh, saw himself as, as, as kind of the crusader, although he absolutely hated that word, uh, against public corruption. Um, I would say politically he was probably uh, in that age on the right. Uh, an example of, of, of sort of a similar person might be uh, uh, Colonel McCormick of the Chicago Tribune. Uh, Marshall was, uh, grew to dislike the New Deal, and was quite critical of it. Um, he basically saw it as, as an organization or a part of government that would be um, robbing people of, of, their, of their finances and, and using it to, to reward other politicians. But he was an individual who, um, went when he saw uh, corruption, saw uh, there was no stopping him of putting it on the front page of the Cedar Rapids Gazette. Do we have anything like that in Iowa now? Corruption, I don't think so. I hope we do have individuals and journalists who uh, look at the story of Vern Marshall and say, this is something that um, we can aspire to. Uh, I hope we don't have the corruption on the level that he exposed, but I hope we have individuals that could could stand in in his shoes.
1: Iowa Watch's Lyle Muller spoke with Jerry Harrington, author of the book, Crusading Iowa Journalist Vern Marshall, That interview originally aired just as the book was released in January 2017. And that brings us to the close of this week's program and the close of this radio series. The Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, Iowa Watch, is ending its first decade soon and doing so with a new home base, a new director, and a renewed focus. IowaWatch.org will still be the home of in-depth journalism, ethically produced by students and professionals. But this radio program has run its course. Next week at this time, over many of these same radio stations, I'll be here with the first program in a new series, the Iowa Business Report, focusing on business and industry and introducing you to those who make our Iowa economy work. But that's next week. I still recall meeting then-Iowa Watch Executive Director and Editor Lyle Muller in Des Moines in June of 2013. Over lunch, we talked about his then-new job and a desire to get this journalism out to a broader audience. I suggested a radio program. So Lyle set to work securing the necessary financial support, and I started lining up radio stations. A year later, the first weekend of July 2014, the first edition of this program aired, It was supposed to be a pilot project, 13 weeks, on perhaps six stations. Since that time, at least 25 different radio stations in three states have carried the Iowa Watch Connection at one time or another, and this is program number 287. Our peers at the Iowa Broadcast News Association have recognized this radio program 36 times in the past five years, 13 of those as first place awards in categories ranging from farm and agribusiness to political coverage to public affairs. But our greatest reward comes from having had the chance to talk to you each week, sharing information of importance. My great thanks to Lyle Muller and the Iowa Watch Board for believing in and supporting this project for five and a half years. On behalf of all of us, Thanks also to the radio stations, which have donated airtime each week so you can hear the program. And most of all, thanks to all of you for listening. You can still find in-depth reporting online at iowawatch.org and follow along on Facebook and Twitter at Iowa Watch. And you can send your comments and thoughts about this program or the series by email to radio at iowawatch.org. So until next week when I bring you the new Iowa Business Report program, I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us and for making the Iowa Watch Connection for 287 weeks.
2: The Iowa Watch Connection is a copyrighted presentation of the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, which is solely responsible for its content. For more information about the center, including how you can contribute so high-quality investigative and community affairs journalism and student training can continue, go online, iowawatch.org.